Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. So I might be embarrassing myself a little bit um, with this story, but I, I just want to kind of ask a question um, out there for anybody who, for the audience, I guess. Have you ever been getting ready for a wedding or some sort of formal event, like a party? You're pulling your clothes out. Maybe you're even getting dressed and you realize, oh, no. There's a, there's a stain on my shirt, yeah, right? Ooh, Please ooh, tell me, time. raise your hand. I'm not the only one that that's happened to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right, good. I'm not, this is going to resonate well then. Um, isn't that just the worst thing? You're like, you're getting ready. It's always so inconvenient. You never have the time to go and get a new shirt. And then you're like, oh, do I clean it? Like, oh, it's not coming. I don't even know what got the, how the stain got here. And then if you're out of town, you don't even have another seat. Oh, like pair of clothes so it change into and it just messes your whole thing up if you're married then you like your cardinal coordination is all messed up it's like just a whole big fiasco i uh i remember so this shirt actually that i'm wearing right now um there's a stain on it like right around here um and then i got coffee on it this morning i think it that mostly went away but i know for a fact so i know for a fact that i've had this shirt for a couple years and I've worn it to at least two weddings with a stain on it, and I think a funeral also. Um, but the stain is like right here, and it's never really been a problem. I've just been able to put a tie on, and then like put a clip on, and cover it up. And I've been able to, it's not deceit, I don't think, but I've just kind of been able to hide it a little bit. Or sometimes I'll wear a jacket, you know what I'm talking about? Like I kind of cover it up. So it's never really been that big of a problem until, Last year, I know some of us know Kyle and Maya Perkins, right? Um, and they're the campus ministers down in Indiana. And they got married last year, and I had the honor of being asked to be a groomsman in their wedding. And it was awesome. It was such a great time. But the problem was the dress code for the groomsman was white shirt, no tie. Wow. I know. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, Because if you know me, I'm certainly not going to go out and buy another shirt. <laughs> the one that I have, it covers my body so it works fine. But it's like, ah, oh, I'm standing up. So, um, like a couple days before the wedding, it was probably the day before I was supposed to leave to go to Illinois. I pulled my shirt out and I was like, oh yeah, I have this stain on it. I, gotta, I should try to get that out. And so I'm like doing all the Google searches, the life hacks, how to get stains out of your shirt. And I didn't even know where it came from. So I'm like, I don't know how to do so. But I'm like, Baking soda, peroxide, I think salt too. Like I did all this stuff and it mostly went away, which was good, but it was really a frustrating situation because I remember during this whole process of cleaning it, I was thinking, gosh, how absurd is it that we have built a culture where we wear white clothes to these formal events and then expect them to not get stained, <laughs> right? Like please tell me I'm not the only one that thinks Amen. that. And then beyond that, all of us have stained our formal clothes before. Oh, yeah. Every, everybody has. 
So why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to show up to these events with perfectly nice, unstained white clothes? Well, if, we, if we all have done it, and it's just the white shirt is asking to be stained, why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to do that? Right. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to present ourselves as clean all the time? Amen. Talk about it, bro. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to present ourselves as clean all the time? I fear that this thought process, it doesn't just stop at our formal attire. That's right. It bleeds into how we present ourselves at church, how we present ourselves to our family. If you're a Christian, you struggle with this. If you're a person, you struggle with this. Why do I feel this need to present myself as perfect all the time? The time. You know, as Christians, we look at scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But for some reason, we just don't continue to the next two verses. It says, Without, uh, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. It says, he didn't count their trespasses against them. It's not like they disappeared. He just didn't count them against them. And then I, I just read the word reconciling like five times. This reconciling, it's not getting rid of, starting from scratch, and it was something new. It's a repairing process. It's not, God already bought us. It says in Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We've already been paid for stains and all. So why would God just get rid of us and start with something new? He repairs us. Unrelated to the book, this next series that we're going through is called Messy Church. Because let's face it, this reconciliation process is messy. Because we as people are messy. Today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about ourselves as messy people. So bring your coffee-stained white shirts. Don't be afraid to bring your uh, grass-stained jeans. Jesus says in Matthew 9, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Turn your Bibles over. Um, We're going to be in two scriptures today. We're going to be in Romans 2 and 1 John 1. So turn over there. I would put your thumb in 1 John and then your index finger in Romans. So you can just kind of flip back and forth between the two of them. And that's where we're going to be pretty much all day. While you're going over there, I would love to give an explanation. and You guys know me. I love detail and context. And I just love would give a really in-depth background on these two letters. I just really don't have time today. So just trust me. We're looking at these books because they're full of people and people are messed up and we're just going to move on. Do study that by yourself if you, if you have time. But my first point is avoid labeling yourself as clean. Wow. We're going to be in Romans, starting in Romans chapter 2, verse 17. Before I jump in, I want to give 
I know I just said I wasn't going to have a lot of context. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Bear with me. A little bit of context. Uh, Paul is addressing members of the church who believe that following works is what brings us salvation. This is specifically the Torah, the law. And this is a very in-depth um, discussion in the early church. And it makes sense because the Torah was what was followed by the Jews for a long, long, long time. So there's this new thing going on and this is a very uh, popular discussion. Today, we're 2,000 years later, we're not arguing kosher law anymore, but the principle is still the same, this idea that, hey, if I do the right things, then I get to heaven. If I do the right things, then I know I'm right with God. And that is exactly what Paul is addressing right here in this letter. We think so often, if I go to the Friday night devos, if I have my quiet time every day and I meet with my discipler once a week, then I must be good with God. And that is exactly what Paul is addressing right here. Amen? Yeah, amen. Talk about it, bro. We're going to be starting in verse 17, Romans 2.17. It says, Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know what his will is, and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of, children, of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You, who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You, who abhor idols and rob temples, do you rob temples? You, who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You, who call yourself a Christian, do you teach yourself? Do we use the same measuring stick on ourselves as we do the people out there? Before you look at the mess out there, do you ever address the mess right here? It's not rule following that makes us a Christian. It's God's grace that makes us a Christian. We think that because we do the right things that we are right with God. But if you think that doing, reading your Bible every day, meeting with your disciple, or going to devos makes you right with God, I'm telling you, you have no hope. Wow. Because as soon as you use that measuring stick on others, that is how you are going to be measured before God. Do you blaspheme God's name to those out there by not holding yourself to how you measure to those people out there? It's tough, bro. Talk about it. We must first accept that we as people are messed up. We are messed up people. Turn over to 1 John. Starting in verse 6. I guess I should do that. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 
And if you claim to be a follower of God, and yet claim that you have nothing to get in the light about, nothing to confess to others, you are calling Jesus a liar. When we walk around as people pretending that we have life all figured out, we got everything under control, we have this self-righteous attitude about us, hey, no mess here! We are calling Jesus a liar. What picture are you painting for those around you, for your friends, for your family, you who call yourself Christians? Do you teach yourself? My first point, avoid labeling yourself as clean. My second point, yes, I am talking about you. Go back to Romans 3. Starting in verse 9, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands God. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Jump down to 19. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world held held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the law becomes conscious. Through the law, we become conscious of sin. No one is righteous, not even one. We are all under the power of sin. Right here in these these middle verses, Paul, he's rapid-firing five different Old Testament scriptures. This is not a new idea. Paul isn't just coming up with this out of thin air. This is consistent through the whole Bible. If we rely on our ability to do things to be right with God, there is no hope for us. You are walking, you are eating, you are eating a bunch of ribs and a white shirt like this. There is no hope for you. We need help. We need help. Go back to 1 John. I know I'm flipping around back and forth. Just bear with me. Verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. If you claim to be a follower of God and claim you have nothing to confess, you are calling Jesus a liar. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate, but it's just it's what the Bible says. I want to pause for one second here and just address what Jaron was talking about last week. He preached this lesson about, if you weren't here, about 
facts and emotions. And the whole idea was getting our emotions to line up with the facts. If you are a person, it is a fact. You are messed up. It doesn't matter if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself an atheist, if you call yourself an agnostic, a Buddhist, a Muslim, it doesn't matter what your emotions say. You're messed up person. However, however, being a mess does not leave us without hope. Pretending we're a mess leaves us without hope. We're not a mess leaves us without hope. But being a mess does not leave us without hope. And despite the tone that I've been using so far, I really want everybody to leave today with a sense of hope and joy and wonder and a sense of belonging here. Because yes, I am talking to you. You are a mess. But so is the person to the right of you. So is the person to the left of you. So is the person standing in front of you. He's a huge mess. He's a huge mess. And being a mess does not mean, get out. You don't belong here. We don't want your kind here. Being a mess means, come on in. You're a mess? I'm a mess. Come on, let me introduce you to my friend Spencer. He's a huge mess. Come on. Let's figure this out together. We're all in this together. I want to, I know I'm treading dangerous waters here. But I want to do a quick 30-second exercise. Okay, I want everybody to turn to the person closest to you. Just look at them and say, hey, I'm a mess. Can you guys do that for me? No. Amen, guys. Doesn't confession feel amazing? Doesn't it take, like, weight off of your shoulder? Doesn't it take weight off your heart just admitting, hey, I'm a mess. I'm a messy person. Okay. We can go back to the lesson now. Let's go to, uh, back to John. First John 8. Oh, yeah. Okay, First John 8. Let's look at verse 9 for a sec, actually. It says... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? All unrighteousness. We ought to love confession then, right? If it cleans us from all unrighteousness, we ought to love that. We ought to be celebrating that with each other. Hey man, I just gotta talk to you about something. Like I, I watched I watched porn yesterday. I just I need to talk about that with someone. Amen, brother. Thank you for sharing that with me. Obviously not the sin, but thank you for sharing that with me. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate that we have a relationship where you feel close enough to me to share this deep, dark sin with me. Celebrate. Let's celebrate the fact that we have a relationship where I can trust you, another messed up person, with my deep, dark, disgusting things because of my faith in Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate the hope 
that comes from, from confessing our sin and the hope that comes from being able to share that with each other. And let's celebrate our recommitment to Jesus Christ because we have faith that he can take these things away from us. Amen. We don't have to hold this in and become bitter. We don't have to hold it in and, and just become ashamed and then neglectful and then blame shift and then just be stuck in this chain of, of sin. We don't have to do that. I remember... When I was 21, I was a 21-year-old man-child, and it was my first time really studying the Bible. I, I looked at it a lot through my life, but it was the first time, you know what I'm talking about, the first time I really was like, I want to learn the Bible. And I was meeting with, with Jaron and this brother who lived in Milwaukee, and his name was BJ, and they were sharing the Bible with me, and I was like getting, you know, learning about God, and I was all excited. And then we got to this point where we were like, hey, like, we're going to talk about confession and, it's, and sin. And there's a scripture in Galatians 5, and it goes through all these, these, you know, the acts of the flesh. And then there's like 30 things that you're not supposed to do as a Christian. And I'm like reading it. I'm like, man, I've done all of these things. This is not good. And they were sharing. They're like, hey, you know, what sometimes people do, you don't have to, but what sometimes people do is they kind of write out some examples. They read it. Like, we'll share it. We'll share our sin with you. You share your sin with us. And then whatever, rip it up, burn it, keep it to remember where you came from. But like, it's really important, it's cathartic and beneficial to share your sin with each other. Yeah. And so the next week, I, what I did was I wrote out every single one of these sins on this list. And then I wrote three examples of how I broke every single one of these things. And I'm like, okay, sit here, I'm just going to read this thing to you. And it was like this long, it took forever. And I just remember being able to share. It's just about my my sexual sin with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And I remember being able to share about my sexual sin with not grace and being able to share that. And just about the, the drinking that was in my life and the jealousy and the dissensions and being able to share that with people and just this freeing, wow. how freeing it was to be able to give that. I wasn't giving it to these people. I was giving it to Jesus. Right. Like God can take this from me and this hope that I just had being able to know that I didn't have to feel so bogged down by these right. things anymore, that Jesus could turn, could help take this away from me to become something new over time. Yeah. And that leads me to my third point. Je oh. Okay, celebrate. Jesus works best <laughs> in the mess. Right. Jesus Amen. works best in the mess. Go back to Romans 3. Starting in verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testified. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That is what makes us clean. We are justified by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, we look out at the world. I know at least I look, I look out there and I, I just look at how people respond to the mess. 
And it seems like there's two different ways people respond to it. They either pretend it's not there. Turn a blind eye away. Nope, I got everything under control. There's nothing here. I'm fine. Or they grab it and they pull it in and they hold on to it and they don't let go. No one can love me. I am without hope. I am lost. But Jesus gives us another option. That's right. But only Jesus gives us another option. Right. Yes, I'm messy. But Jesus, I trust that you can take this from me. Thank you, God, for taking this from me. In 1 John 2, starting in verse 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with our Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Jesus is able to present us as holy before God. Jesus presents us as righteous and holy before God through this act of the light, of getting things into the light, of confession. It's amazing how much closer we can be brought to God through that. Then he says, but this isn't just for us. This is for the whole world. Do you know who's part of the whole world? You, you are. I am. We're all. We're all part of the whole world. The whole world gets to engage in this with Jesus through confession. We're going to start wrapping down here. But before I end, I just want to look quickly at the life of the Apostle Paul. Because he's the, he's the guy that wrote the book of Romans. And there's so much that we can see in his life. The beginning of Acts, we see that he's a persecutor of the church. He's this guy who thinks he's doing God's will, but he, he's not because he's unable to see outside of just his little window that, of, of, what he, of what he knows. He actually even calls himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. Right. Circumcised on the eighth day, he has this very high view of himself before God and before others. And then he's persecuting the church. He's rounding up Christians to throw them into prison. And then in Acts 9, we see the repentance of Saul, and he makes Jesus Lord of his life. And yet, in Acts 15, he has such a sharp disagreement with someone over how to evangelize and the people they're going to bring with them that he can't even evangelize with Barnabas. He's still a messy person. Right. Even after he's performed miracles, after he killed people, he started churches, he still is someone who needs Jesus and needs to repent after, after all this time. Paul would say these things about himself. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he calls himself, oh, oops, I'm way not right. Okay, he calls himself unworthy to be called an apostle. And that's, a, that's humble, right? I mean, wow, Really, unworthy to be called an apostle? Like, you've started churches. Like, you've performed miracles. You don't think you deserve to be in this elite group of people? That's pretty humble. But then, about 10 years later, he's writing to the church in Ephesians, in Ephesus. And he says, I am the least of all saints. Really? The least of all saints? 
like of all Christians, all people who follow God, you're the least of them. Look at what you've done. Look at how many churches you've started. But he has this view of himself as, as someone who still needs Jesus. And then in Timothy, he says, I am the worst of sinners. And this isn't in some self, self-deprivating way. This isn't a way where he, he has a sober view of like, hey, I know so much about God and I still am a sinner. Like, I must be the worst of them all. He has this humble view of himself. He realizes, hey, I'm a messy person and I still, I still need Jesus every single day, Amen. increasingly through his life. We're going to, before we jump into communion, I want to leave us with a couple thoughts and then, and then one more scripture. Oh, yeah. There seems to be a relationship between the acceptance of our mess and Jesus' ability to use us. I don't know, or maybe, or maybe it's we just put ourselves behind Jesus and let Jesus be the author and perfecter of our faith. That's how his power is made most known. So I'm going to leave us with three thoughts. Accept that you are a mess. Just accept that you're a mess. But then we have to accept each other's messes also. And then understand that it's not my mess and your mess, but it's our mess. Wow. We all yeah. are Amen, messy bro. people. And if we're going to grow closer to God, we need each other here with us. Because we are a messy, messy church. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Because Jesus works best in the mess. As we w- make our way to communion, I want us to turn over to Matthew chapter 1. And we're not going to read the whole genealogy. But I just want us to look at it for a second. That's, that's good stuff, bro. And, and see, look at the names there. Yep. We nice. have a guy who was willing to twice give his wife to other people because he was scared. Wow. We have a guy who, we have, well, we have two prostitutes, at least two prostitutes right. in there. We have a guy who murdered someone so that he could have his wife. We have another guy who had a lot of wives. Right. We have a lot of messy people here. And yet, Jesus comes through these people to redeem all of us. We are, we have hope, yep, even we though we're messy. Yep. That's right. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say a quick prayer for communion. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for for letting us see that we're messy people, but then being able to redeem us through Jesus Christ, Father. As we sit here and we drink the, the juice and we have the, the wafer, Lord, I pray that we just remember and really just sit and recall how messy we are. It's true, but how powerful your love and forgiveness is. And that is shown so much more through our mess. Not, not, because we're perfect, but because we're messy people, Lord. You're so awesome and so perfect and so righteous, Lord, and we are honored, we are honored to be able to come to you um, for forgiveness, Lord. We are so grateful for Jesus, and we pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, we'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week.
atravesados. 